Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart and if you can, your Bibles and receive this word from the Lord recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Look at the neighbors, are you receiving? Are you just being a spectator or are you receiving? Praise God. You ready for the word today? going to have communion together in just a minute, but I want you to be uh, really attentive as I teach for just a little bit. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, I said Romans, didn't I? In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's start there. Hebrews chapter 9. Have you ever felt that you were under a waterfall of revelation and you just have been asking God, slow down? I, I, I need some time to get some of this stuff. Slow down. Have you ever, have you ever had that? Amen. I pray that being in the church feels like that. Because we're a church that believes in revelation. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. I want to talk about what, what happened at the cross. I wanted to happen. I want to talk about when what happened happened when it happened. <laughs> because if we don't understand that, we will... Um, misunderstand a lot of what which that which is happening in the bible and uh, we will miss miss the whole point of what god is trying to say but let's read in hebrews chapter 9 i'm going to read from verse number 11 uh, verse 11 and verse 12 let's do that in the new king james if you're there give me a loud yes sir, yes, sir. but christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Having obtained eternal redemption. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. I like the picture. If you are as uh, visual as me, imagine Jesus is not only the high priest doing the sacrifice. He's also the lamb that is being sacrificed. Because nothing that was happening could be unclean. The high priest couldn't be. Really, if you think about it, was the high priest ever really without sin when he went in? Impossible. Impossible. There was only one high priest who could be without sin. And he was not only the high priest, he was also the sacrifice. Not only was he the sacrifice, he takes the blood and offers it. He went with his own blood. I don't know how you visualize that in your head. But he, he went taking his own blood, entered the most holy place once for all. Why? So that we could have eternal redemption. How long is your redemption? How long is your redemption? Is this, is this sinking in church? So we could have eternal redemption. For if the, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more? Say much more. Much more. Shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God? Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. Go with me to verse 24, please. Verse 24, for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as, a, as the high priest enters the holy place every year with the blood of another. Implying what? Jesus did not go with the blood of another. He went with his, his own blood. He then would have to suffer often. He then would have to suffer often. What is the implication there? If it was like the old covenant priest, he would have to go in once a year. If not once a year, at least every time you mess up. This is what I say, and I want you to hear me. At least in the old covenant, they gave you one year. New covenant church people don't even give you one week. You mess up, you're gone. At least for one year, you had redemption. You had one year of forgiveness. 
So now we don't have one year of forgiveness. And unlike churchianity has taught you wherever you came from, you don't have forgiveness until the next time you mess up. Jesus came to give us eternal, eternal redemption. Come on now. Say this. He gave me eternal forgiveness. Now let me ask you this. If what God did is eternal, is your sin greater than the work that Jesus did? Come on now. This has got to get into your spirit. Is the finished work of Jesus greater than your sin? You better believe it. Don't act like what you did just took God by surprise and he has no clue what to do with this now. Oh Lord, we missed that one. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the age, he has appeared to do what? Put away sin. By what? By the sacrifice of himself. How did he do that? He became sin on the cross, and when he became sin on the cross, he put himself away. When he died, sin died in his body. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, go back and get, I I did three weeks of a teaching called Holiness and Grace. Who remembers that one? Amen. I really want you to go get a hold of this. It's, It's really transforming message. And if you're one of those people like, oh God, I want another message on holiness. No, it's not one of them. You're not going to walk out of listening to that feeling condemned. You're going to walk out with hope knowing that sin has already been crucified. So you don't have to carry something on your body that Jesus already took on his body. Why can God say there is now therefore no condemnation? What an audacious statement. How can God say you cannot have condemnation in the life of a new covenant believer? You know why? Because he put away sin. Sin and is brings guilt, brings guilt brings condemnation. You don't have that anymore. He put sin to death. So now if you're messing up, it's not God forsaking you. It's your own ignorance. Now if you're falling in the same sin and again, again and again, it's not because, you know, God, oh Lord, every time I sin, God's forsaking me. He's not forsaking you. Are you listening to me? He has given you eternal redemption. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of age, at the end of the ages, I like that. I wish I could preach on that for just a minute. Now at the end of the ages. Some people are still waiting for the end of the age to come. The end of the age was back then at the cross. Can can I just say one more thing? Uh, I'm I'm just, I'm just, mm, can I say one more thing? Just controversial. Just one more thing. You know how the Bible says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on, on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Joel chapter 2, who remembers that one? Amen. And every time you get, people get together to pray, they're always praying for that to happen. Huh? Oh God, we pray that we will enter those last days when you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And we pray for the day when the sons and daughters will prophesy. Here's something that I want you to understand. On the day of Pentecost... Peter stands up and says these words. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What you're waiting for already happened. (laughs) This end of the age thing. Church, any theology that brings fear is not from God. So if you sat up to look at a red moon, good for you. Okay? I, I watched it the first time. It was beautiful. But if seeing that is going to bring fear, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, the end of the age, the end of the age. No, the end of the age already happened. Yeah. Now we're not, waiting, we're not waiting for Jesus to come back. We are. But he's actually waiting for us to finish what he told us to do so he can come back. He's going to come back and establish the throne that we create for him. Like I said, I don't want to go there. If your theology brings fear, it ain't from God. There is a religion that believes in an end days being really bad. There is a religion that believes that one guy is going to come. And he's going to bring peace for seven years. There is a religion that believes that there's going to be a war. There's going to be all kinds of bloodshed and millions of people. There is a religion that believes that. And it's not just Christianity. Islam believes that. And I wonder if a lot of our theology has intermingled with the Mahdi teaching. That we're waiting for something. Romans 8. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know why hell is breaking loose all over the world? 
You know why things are going crazy? You know why the, the creation is doing things? Why people are dying, disasters, all kinds of things, planes disappearing. Why things, and it seems like things are happening. It's because creation is groaning. It is waiting for those that are its true owners to take its ownership. I know this wasn't my message, but you got to hear me. Because if you don't understand this, you will wait for something to happen that has already happened. Whatever Jesus needed to do, he did. You know what sitting down means? I'm done. Tag, it's you. (laughs) That's what Jesus was saying. So what is man's original mandate? Be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue the earth. Here's the funny thing. It seems like the only people talking about subduing the earth is ISIS and not the church. Come on now. Come on. I went to India, not this time, the time before this, and I went and I saw people um, having long intercessory prayers. And man, they were just crying out to God, oh God, have mercy. And I don't know if you've, have, has anybody seen those videos? It is some of the most heart-wrenching. I almost want to show it here so Americans can get a clue of what real world looks like. And what real persecution looks like for people who are dared to give up their faith and they say, I will not, and they behead them. What would you do in that? In that, in that oh, well, my sins are already forgiven. Okay, I give up. What would you do in that matter? 147 black Kenyan Christians who were singled out only because they were Christian. Are you a Muslim? Step away. You're a Christian? Bam. It's hell. It's like hell breaking loose. The earth is always leading towards hell or towards heaven. When the sons of God manifest, it's always leading towards heaven. Why? Because God's ultimate purpose was what? Heaven on earth. Why did Jesus die? What is Easter all about? To give man back his original identity that he lost in the garden. With special benefits. No tree of knowledge in good and evil. It's cut down. It's not cut down. Jesus got crucified on it, so it's out of the way. I say so much in such a short time that I wonder, oh God, I hope they got it. But as I went to India and I, I, I saw people praying, and, I mean, they were sincere in their prayers. They were crying and said, God, have mercy on our Christians in, in Iraq, in Egypt, in Syria, who have been killed for no other reason but that they say, I'm a believer. I like that, man. Ooh, see, I, I'm a third world guy. Bring it on, dude. Dare me. I used to say when I was a kid, the only way I'm dying is no, no sickness, old age, all that junk. I'm dying being a martyr, man. That's the way to go. It's a cool way. There's a crown in heaven for those guys. <laughs> but I saw these people praying and everyone just screaming and crying. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. And I went to the guys and I said, why are you asking God to have mercy? God is not the one killing the Christians. You're right. Some of you all get this tomorrow. Why are you praying for God to have mercy on those Christians? God is not the one holding back his mercy. Instead of praying for God to have mercy, take authority over the demon of hell that those people are operating through and bind its power over that region. Our job is not to attack a religion. Do you hear me? Our job is not to attack a religion. When April 1st came, I went, oh God, here go all them Christian people putting up, well, atheists, it's your day. I thought, oh wow, that's going to get them to salvation. (laughs) Tell them they're a fool. Oh yeah, come to Jesus now. The fool says in his heart, you're an atheist, you're a fool. Come to Jesus, he loves you. I mean, the kind of stuff Christian people do. Facebook, man, good Lord. Sometimes you just want to take a fast, don't you? People put some dumb stuff up there. Do you know there are people shedding their blood so they will be saved? And that blood is crying out for the salvation of the Muslim people. Now, I know God loves the Jews. God loves the Jews. Well, I'll tell you what, God loves the Islamic people too. (laughs) Cool, get out of here. Where was I? So next time you're praying, don't pray, oh God, have mercy, have mercy. God's not the one holding his mercy back. I told somebody the other day, either you take authority and bind the devil or take a gun and go and fight them. 
That's the Texas way of doing it. Come on now. <laughs> Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's continue talking about the blood. Verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Are you there? Yes. Come on, are you there? Yes. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can do what? Did you just read that? The continuous offerings, which in the new covenant would be your constant repentance. It can never take away sin. Why? Because we just read in verse chapter 9, he already took away sin. Amen. They're so cute and quiet today. I think it's because they're dressed up, Lord. <laughs> but this man, capital M, ah. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, after, 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 say after. after. So when did the finished work really finish? After. It wasn't done until Jesus sat down. Are you listening to me? It wasn't complete until Jesus sat down. And when he sat down, that's when it was done. Are you listening to me? When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. We think it was done. No, it actually just started then. There was a lot more. He was not only saying it is finished, meaning what? Completed. It is complete. It is end of what? The old system. I have completed the old system. Ephesians chapter 2 says he has broken down the wall that divided the Jew from Gentile. He has broken down. What was the wall? The wall was the law. He has broken down the law, the, the, the wall. And now in, I'll get that, Galatians chapter 5, it says, Now in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Come on now. I'm going to ask you a question. Did Christ die for the Christians? Your answer would be an obvious yes. I'm going to tell you the answer is no. Huh. There was no Christians when Christ died. Christians are a product of his death. Jesus did not die for the Christians. He died so he could make Christians. Let me ask another question. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen? Did he redeem you from the curse of the law? When were you under the law? I thought only the Jews were under the law. Huh? When were you under the law? Think about that for just a second. We say, oh, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Turn to Galatians 5 and go back to Hebrews 11 and Justice. Hebrews 7 in just a second. I got to read a lot today. Can I just read today? Can I teach today? Galatians chapter 5. Let's do a lot of reading. Come on. Sometimes you got to let the Bible preach for itself. Sorry, Galatians 3. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Galatians 3, Sarah. I knew I bought another Bible. Can I read this in the NIV? This is the Bible I used to use. Oh, boy, it is so messed up. It is so broken up. It is so turned into pieces. And then I found this amazing teaching I used to do back in the day. For those of you that don't believe that I wasn't graced back in the day, preparation for the Lord's table. <laughs> Self-examination. That just sounds nasty, doesn't it? Number two, confession of sin. Number three, then receive forgiveness with thanksgiving. Say, thank God for grace. For those of you that are new wondering, what is he talking about? I'll get to it in just a second. Galatians chapter 3. I wanted to do it in the NIV. That's why I pulled out my old NIV Bible. You know, it's a little hard to find books in somebody else's Bible, isn't it? Galatians chapter 3. Are you there? Give me a loud yes, sir. Follow me up there if uh, Sarah has it. There we go. Okay. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Can I read that in the Amplified? <laughs> that verse just needs some description, doesn't it? It just needs some explanation. You know who it's talking to? Is the Galatians Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. Right? Are the Galatians Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. Gentiles. Right? So now he's talking to the Gentile church 
who think that they became Jewish. Oh, you poor, silly, thoughtless, unreflecting, and senseless Galatians. <laughs> Who has fascinated or bewitched you or cast a spell over you? Unto whom right before your very eyes Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was openly and graphically sent forth and portrayed as crucified. Verse 2, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the law or doing its works? Or was it by hearing the message of the gospel and believing it? Was it from observing the law of rituals or from a message of faith? Let's go back to the NIV. Verse 2. Oh my goodness, it's small. <laughs> I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? What's the obvious answer there? What you heard. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? I was sitting in my room preparing for this, and I read this, and I got up and ran. <laughs> I just ran. Why do we change our method of, of being saved after we get saved? He was saying all you did when you got saved was hear a message and what? Believe believed it. You heard the good news, and you believed it. Did you have to get circumcised to get saved? Most of us would be like, all right, I'm going to Buddhism. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Ooh, this, is, this should set you free, church. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. Can I teach for just a second? Abraham wasn't righteous. Righteousness was credited to Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. But in the new covenant, we don't get righteousness credited to us. We have righteousness imputed to us. Abraham's righteousness was waiting in a bank account for it to be used. It was credit. How many of you know that word? You don't really have the money... But you're spending it because the money is somewhere. Amen. Now this is God kind of credit. The money is there. It's not our kind of credit where there's no money and we go spend crazy. <laughs> and live in debt. huh? The, it says it was credited unto him as righteousness. In the new covenant, you're not credited righteousness. You're not just imputed righteousness. You are imparted righteousness. Amen. You receive righteousness. You become righteous. And nothing can separate righteousness from you. Say, I got it better than Father Abraham. Oh, I wish I could be in the good old days of the, of the prophets. Are you crazy? I mean, are you crazy? Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Say, I'm a child of Abraham. Now you're going, that make me a Jew? No, because we believe just like Abraham believed. Amen? The scripture foresaw that God would justify who? By keeping the law. By doing what we got to do. Because you got to do what you got to do to do, to do, to do, to do, and you get a lot of doo-doo. The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and did what announced the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you so those who have faith who's that say that's me are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith now watch all who rely on observing the law are under a curse why who is he writing to listen who is Paul writing to Gentiles. He's not writing to the Jews. He's writing to the Gentiles. And he's saying, if a Gentile tries to live under the law, you're asking for a curse. Father, help me to do this without offending people, God. 
He's speaking to Gentiles and saying, you didn't get righteousness credited. You got righteousness imputed. You got the better deal by doing what? By believing. Believing what? Abraham. What did Abraham believe? I will bless you. It was God's will to bless you. You through Jesus Christ say, Lord, I believe. I believe in the good news. I receive it. I am therefore blessed. But he says, if you after coming to Jesus by just believing, go back to living under the law, you're under a curse. Can church people, can believers be cursed? I don't know. Galatians chapter 3 tells me if you're dumb enough to go live under the law, yeah. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything. Is there anyone that kept everything other than Jesus? Written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. Because the righteous will live by the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will, keep, will live by them. Now listen, Christ redeemed us. Paul is now talking about himself from the curse of the law. Why? By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Now watch this. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of, the Abra of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You notice he's talking about two different groups of people there. So who does he say when he says Christ redeemed us that the Gentiles might come in? You notice he's not making them. He didn't say Christ redeemed everybody from the curse of the law. Why? Because everybody was not under the curse of the law. Only the Israelites were under the curse of the law. Listen to me. Are you a Jew? Was the law ever given to you? Answer that question. Were you ever asked to live under the law? Was the Ten Commandments ever a requirement for you? No. Are you a Jew? No. Now if Christ redeemed those who are under the law, is it talking about you? No. You are a fruit of Christ's redemption. Amen. You are not the one He redeemed. Because if you look at the word redeemed, it means to give something to purchase. Who did He give something to purchase you from? It was those that were under the law that he gave and he said it is finished by declaring that that old system is over. That old way of living is over. That old mosaic covenant is over. It is finished. But he didn't really finish there, did he? Because after that, a lot of things happened. How do I know? Because when Jesus rose again, I believe it's John 20 verse 17. Mary sees him. Who remembers that story? Are you learning something? Listen to me carefully. Mary sees him and tries to touch him. Master! And Jesus says, don't touch me. Don't touch me. What? That don't sound like Jesus. Why? Because the finished work was just getting completed. I haven't taken the blood to the mercy seat in heaven yet. Once I pour it over the mercy seat, the Father will declare mankind forgiven forever. Until then, don't defile what I'm doing. Lady, you're not being redeemed yet. <sighs> Slowly coming there? Slowly getting there? <laughs> Amen. See, we think when he's in it is finished, it was all finished. No, it didn't. If you remember the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb had to go through the fire. He hadn't been to the fire yet. It was only after he died that 1 Peter tells us that he went down into hell. And Colossians chapter 2 tells us that he defeated Satan and made a spectacle of him. Where did that happen? Did a spectacle happen on the cross? No, it looked like a defeat. Did the cross look like a great victory? No, it looked horrible. I mean, the disciples were more depressed. We gave up everything and followed this guy and then he just dies on us. <laughs> it didn't look like a great victory. It looked like a huge defeat. But there was something else going on in the spirit. There was something else going on in the spirit. Just like on the cross in the spirit. What man could not see by the natural in the spirit. God was putting curse. God was putting sickness. God was putting all the guilt. God was putting all the shame. Putting all the law. He was putting everything that was upon mankind, upon Jew and Gentile. That's why it wasn't only the Jews that, that were involved in the crucifixion. There needed to be Gentiles. Why? So when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he was speaking to both Jew and Gentile at the same time. 
Because it was those under the law that found Jesus guilty. When they took him to the Gentile centurion, he goes, I find no fault in him. <laughs> Sometimes I do, I, why do you ask me to teach these things? Are you listening? The centurion were like, what are you killing an innocent man for? But those who thought they were under the law said he's guilty because he's broken it. He's lying to people. He's talking not to They brought up the law to attack him. The Romans had nothing to attack him by. Did you say you're the king of the Jews? I am. I'll find no fault in him. Put your hand on your head say, stinking thinking. We should have done this in the beginning. Stinking thinking. You got to go. My mind is renewed. I receive revelation by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It is written, curse it is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through who? Through Christ. The blessing of Abraham was not ours. We had no access to the blessing of Abraham because it was only for the Jewish people. But now let me explain when it speaks of Jewish people who specifically it's talking about. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that we by faith might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now watch this. Brothers, let us examine from everyday life just as no one can set aside and add to a human covenant that has already duly, that has been duly established. So it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. All my life I thought his seed was a nation. Read the next line. The scripture does not say to seeds... Don't you like it when the Bible breaks it down a little so you people misunderstanding people go messing up the Bible? Just, just, just so you don't get it, let me explain to you. Not seeds. Seed. Meaning one person who is. <laughs> so then what did Jesus have to die for for the Gentile? Sin. It wasn't a transgression for us yet because we were not under the law, but we were still born of sin. Why? Because Adam and Eve went and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a representation of the law. Why? Because it was the only thing they were told not to do. So we were sinners anyway. So Christ had to die for both Jew and Gentile on his body. And in his body, that dividing wall was broken down. <laughs> the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is in Christ. Let me ask you this. Do you see the difference between Jew and Gentile here? Do you see that? Huh? He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because of the Jews were under the curse of the law, they couldn't receive the blessings of Abraham. Because the blessings of Abraham was only promised to them. So Jesus comes and becomes the seed of Abraham and becomes the curse, taking the curse out of the way and grafts us in through Jesus. So the blessing which was spoken on Abraham is ours. What was the blessing? Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. It was the same thing in the, gen in the Garden of Eden. God says, I will bless you and through you the nations will be blessed. Get out of here. Keep reading with me. <laughs> this law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. Say, I'm a child of promise. Child of promise. Not, the law, not the law. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? Listen carefully. It was added because of transgressions until... The seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator who was the mediator of the law. Moses, a mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Now read this. I wish I had time to teach all that. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Righteousness did not come by the law. Amen. 
It came by promises. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. Now he's talking about how the rest of the world are sinners too. You get it? The whole world is a prisoner of sin. What verse am I at? So that what was promised being made through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Meaning everyone who believes. Jew and Gentile. Before this faith came, we were held prisoner by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed so that the law, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. You cannot be justified by the law. It was meant to push you to Christ. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Paul is saying not even the Jewish people are under the supervision of the law. Wow. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Who were baptized into Christ were clothed yourselves with Christ. Now read this carefully. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. All the women should shout right now. Because in the old covenant, you really didn't matter. Someone asked me a question on Facebook last week about why was what the, the men's circumcision, for, for men the covenant was circumcision, what was it for men, for women? And I couldn't put the answer on Facebook because it would offend many people. Because it didn't matter. It was all only through the man. But in the new covenant, God breaks that division down and says there's neither Greek, there's no Jew nor Greek. What's the other one? Slave nor free, male and female. Taken that out, for you are all one in Christ. Say, I am in Christ. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10 quickly and let me finish this sermon. Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't understand what happened, you will miss out the whole thing. Are we redeemed in a general sense? Yes. It doesn't mean we're not redeemed. Of course we're redeemed. But we're not redeemed from the curse of the law. It's really quiet in this Presbyterian church. Ah. That's why Christ rising up was vital. Dying was great. It is finished was great. Going to hell was great. Even rising up was great. But until that blood was poured and he sat down, it wasn't finished. It is only when the blood was poured, like in the old covenant, when the blood would be poured over the mercy seat, God declares man forgiven. So now people don't go to hell because of sin. People go to hell because they don't accept Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, and therefore Jesus became death. So he became the wages of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Are you listening? Jesus became the wages of sin. For those of you that are still waiting for that death, the word death means eternal separation from God. Not happening for the new covenant believer. For a new covenant believer who sins, it only means you're stupid. It doesn't mean separation. It means ignorance. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. Is anybody learning anything? Am I just just blabbing away here? Thank you, dude. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is some good teaching. I know it's a little strong. But I want you to hear me about the Spirit because this will, I mean, I'm telling you, man. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. You've been grafted in. Because you're grafted in. You got the blessings of Abraham. We're going to have communion in just a minute, just a minute. Now listen. And every priest stands daily offering, repeat the same sack, verse 11, Hebrews 10, 11. Which never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus was. 
one sacrifice for sins forever. What did he do then? Sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Let me ask you this question. Was the enemy defeated? Was the enemy defeated? I wish I had time to go to Colossians to teach you how he defeated him, stripped him, and flogged him on through the streets like the Romans would do when they, win, when they beat somebody. He was made a, Satan was made a public spectacle of. Amen? Amen. So is Satan defeated? Yes. Let me ask you this. Is Satan defeated? Yes. How come you're walking around scared all the time? How come you walk around scared all the time? Woo! Loud sound. Oh, my God, my God. You praying strong prayers in fear don't mean nothing. It's only the prayer of faith that works. So if he has been defeated, what is this waiting for his enemies to be made and made a footstool? Satan's already been defeated, but it's the job of the church to enforce that defeat on Satan all over the earth. Satan is already defeated. He is powerless. His dominion has been stripped off of him. He don't even got no keys anymore. God took that keys from Satan in hell and gave it to the church. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And then he says, but I give you, man, all authority. Why? Because it required a man to beat. It would be unfair for, say, for God to beat the devil. See, I'm going, I'm going crazy on you again. It had to be man. That's why Jesus was legally 100% man. Now watch, now watch this. When he died... When he was buried, watch this now. When he went to hell, and when he defeated Satan, get out of here. Go away. You didn't get that. No, 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 no. You didn't get it. No, no, no. Oh, blood of Jesus. I rebuke. Oh, Sandala Mama. Oh, oh, Jesus. Come on. Oh, Lord. Everything Jesus went through was as your substitute. Are you listening to me? Can he help me here, man? If Satan is defeated, when Jesus defeated him, you defeated him. When Jesus flogged him and made a spectacle of him, you made a spectacle of him. See, that's why I keep saying Jesus is not your example. He's your substitute. If he's your example, then you got to go to hell next and be the devil too. You ready? You ready to be crucified? Example, I saw well, first Peter, someone put up a, when Abigail put it up, someone, well, first Peter says, Jesus is our example in suffering. Okay, go ahead. Let me see your nails. Let me see the nails card hands. Let me see the 40, 39 cat of nine tail whips on your back. You missed the whole point. He was our substitute. But when he defeated Satan, you defeated Satan. Now listen to me. That addiction has no dominion over you. It only does as long as you think, oh, one of these days I'm going to break out of it and Satan's grip over my life will be broken. That's why confession is different from revelation. You can confess something all you want and never get a revelation. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Yeah, but it's when the revelation comes, I'm healed? What? (laughs) Sickness has no, when does sin have no dominion over a believer? As long as he's still fighting sin. Oh, bless God, we're going to fight sin till the day we die. This wicked, sinful world. We're just going to fight the devil till the day we die. Then, then I said this already. Then death is your savior, not Jesus. Right? But as soon as a believer comes to the understanding, sin was put away in his body. So when he died, I died. When he put away sin. (laughs) You got to get this. If you listen to this, it will, I'm telling you, I don't think I have preached a more important sermon in my life. 
He's waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Who's the one that enforces that work? That's our job. How do we enforce it? By fighting the devil? No. By reminding him of what the fact is. You loser. <laughs> he already whooped you. Yeah. And he paraded you. Yeah. Guess what? I was there. Yeah. I was in him. Yeah. I was in him. So I paraded you, Satan. You have, let's go bind the strong man. Hey, listen, there ain't no strong man. Because he was defeated. What makes Satan strong over a region is the worship of the devil in that region. But when a new covenant believer goes into a place that the devil thinks he in charge of, all he needs is the new covenant believer to have revelation that he's already defeated. You just need a legal document that says, finished. We would, oh Lord, if I could just preach this to the whole of the nation, we'd stop fighting the devil. Half the time we think we're fighting God. If my people who are called by my name ha, will humble themselves, ha, then, well then and only then, Jesus was the fulfillment of that verse. Because he humbled himself and prayed. Guess what? When he humbled himself... I humbled. Get out. Go. <laughs> when he turned from his wicked ways. Uh-huh. Now see now when he humbled himself, we did. So when you are in him, everything he has done, you have already done. It's when Jesus is your example that you are walking around trying to humble yourself. Let me ask you, when are you going to be humble enough to get like Jesus? You see the hypocrisy of that, the audacity of, of, of claiming that I can be holy enough for God to answer my prayers? What a... Verse 14. You ready? For by one offering, He has perfected forever. For by one offering, has He perfected forever. Ushers, get the communion ready. For by one offering... Matt, keep the teaching going on. If you don't mind, I'm going to keep teaching. For by one offering has he perfected forever. For by one offering has he perfected forever. How long are you perfect for? How can you possibly be perfect forever? Whoa, 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 whoa. Huh? How can you possibly be perfect forever? You know why? Because Jesus is perfect forever. <laughs> Oh, I want to get up and run. I really want to get up and run. <laughs> oh, one offering, perfect forever. Those who are being sanctified. And I always said that sanctification is a process. And then 1 Corinthians one thirty came. For Jesus was made unto us redemption, wisdom, and sanctification. Beloved, sanctification is not a process. Sanctification is a person. <clears throat> Put that on Facebook. <laughs> and wait for them to put another verse to beat that. When Jesus took that bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. This is my body. This is my body. I want you to look at the bread and the wine real quick. Sarah, do we have the slides? This is my body. That's the original matzah there you're looking at. You notice Jesus did not hold this and say, after I die, this will become my body. I want you to get this revelation because this will set you free. Church, I want every one of you that's part of Raising Grace Fellowship to, to create the, the, the habit of having communion at home. It's not a church thing. I love doing it in church, but you don't have to do it only in church. Listen to me carefully. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. How much should you do it? Often. Often. I would love it if you would have communion every day. 
But now let me show you a few things that would happen. Jesus was holding that Passover bread during Passover. And he says, he holds that bread and he says, this is my body. Now I want you to notice carefully what Jesus was saying. The same bread that was, that was in Egypt, remember? The Passover in Egypt. Let me ask you this. When God delivered them from Egypt, did they ever become Egyptian again? Because of the rebellion of their sins, God sent them back into Egypt. Did they ever become Egyptian after God delivered them? No. Don't let anybody lie to you about that junk. Once you've been redeemed and delivered, your salvation is secured by a covenant, not by your works. Amen. Number one, the wheat is har harvested from a selected field and then it's examined for pure impurities. Do we have that, Sarah? Number two, the dough is kneaded with fresh spring water. Let's go back to the first one. Pilate examined him and said, I find no fault in him. Number two, the dough is kneaded with fresh spring water. Number three, at the perfect texture, the dough is rolled so thin. See, that's why it's not nice and puffy like bread. It's rolled thin, thin. It's rolled thin, so it's not puffy. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. You couldn't even recognize him on the cross. He was so humbled, humiliated, pressed down for you and me. And then number four, watch this. They use a special roller with pins to roll it over his body, over the bread. <laughs> Excuse me. They would take these, these roller with pins and they would pierce it through till the piercing came the other way. And there were two things that that was always left with. Holes and stripes. Mm. He was pierced for our transgressions. And by his stripes we were Don't hold that like it's some little wafer. Let's have this wafer together. It's a type of. You're missing the point. That's why in Brazen Grace, we make sure we use the right matzah too. Nothing wrong with using that bread in your house. My wife gave me Coke for communion the other day, so there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it was one of those things where like, all the family taking, oh, thank you for the blood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. After they put holes and stripes. Watch this one now. The dough that has holes and stripes on it is taken and thrown on a pole. I'm not going to break this down. Let revelation knowledge come to you today. And then that which is on the pole is put inside the fire. Well, I don't believe Jesus went to hell. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you believe. Well, they don't know. Hey. They've been saying it for ages. Even the old apostles' creed says he descended into hell. Where did he defeat Satan? Where did he whoop Satan? In his own domain. Then the Zetzer would take the bread from the pole and put it into the fire. And then when it was just burnt, it would be taken out and eaten. Ushers, would you please bring the bread in the cup? Pass it out. As you hold that bread, I want you to notice the three things that are on that. John, come. It was an eating. Listen carefully. It was an eating that brought death. It was an eating that brought death. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This Sadly, the church has made this the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because whenever they partake this, they're looking for sin. That's why when God came, He said, Who told you you were naked? What are you looking for? Who told you you were naked? <laughs> so when we're sitting there examining our hearts for sin when we partake of this, God says, What sin? You're missing the point. Come next week and I'll finish the teaching on the Lord's table. It says, Let Him not partake 
unworthily. Unworthily is the state in which you take, not the person who is taking. The next line, 1 Corinthians 11 says, not discerning the body. Meaning what? The unworthy way of taking this is by not discerning it as the body of Jesus. I said this before and this will offend some of you. While Protestants all over the world are partaking a type of the body and nothing happens to us. The Catholic people eat this like it is the body of Jesus and they see healings happen immediately. And some of them aren't even saved. Because of one belief, this is your body. The only thing you are supposed to examine is to see your sin not on your body but on that cross. The life of the flesh is in the blood. That's why the blood and the body go together. Whew. Look at that body, would you? The same way death came in by eating, life comes in by eating. Jesus said, if you eat of my body, you have life. If you don't eat my body, you don't have life. Is that talking about a type of salvation? Yes. But Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body. This is my body. Not a type of, my body. This is my body. I just have such a sense in my spirit, the Holy Ghost is doing something so remarkable today as you're listening to me. While I'm waiting for y'all to respond to my preaching, the Holy Spirit is doing something else. I see what God's doing now. Something's going on in this place. God's really setting people free in this place. I'm telling you, listen to me. Bondages are being broken today. As you partake this, if you weren't healed already, you'll be healed now. You won't need no five-hour energy once you got the blood. 24-hour, seven days a week energy, baby. Look at that body and say, this is your body. And your body was broken. So mine could be put together. By your stripes, I am healed. This is your blood. And your blood was shed to make me righteous. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for me so that I through him might become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is your body. This is your blood. And I partake of this with gratitude in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Partake and receive your miracle. Stand up and worship Him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was laid upon him. And by his wounds, his stripes, we were healed. People that have been living in the cage of fear are being delivered even right now, right now, right now. Bodies are being healed right now. 
I keep hearing something about the blood, someone with a blood problem, some condition of the blood, some level, blood level, something being healed right now. Whenever there is great grace, there is great glory. Whenever there is the blood, there's always the glory of God. There's always the anointing of God. First the blood, then the oil. If you have been washed by His blood, if you died with Him, if you rose again with Him, if you defeated Satan with Him, if you are seated with Him, lift your hands and worship Him. The greater this revelation hits us, the greater our manifestation of victory on the earth. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you live and experience this resurrection power. May you have a revelation that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Glory. Lives inside of you. Oh. Just drink in that presence that God's releasing. Just drink in, drink in, drink in that glory. Drink in. I know I got, I got already seven minutes over my time, but drink in, drink in that glory. Drink in that glory. Drink in that victory. Drink in that revelation, that revelation, that revelation, that it is finished. Drink in that revelation. Drink in that when he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he went into hell, I went to hell. When he was tormented, I was tormented. And when he defeated Satan, I defeated Satan. When he rose again, I rose again. And when he sat down, shout it, I sat down. My God, the glory. Mm. May sin, sickness, Satan have no dominion over you ever again, ever again, ever again, ever again. I decree over you, especially those that are a part of Brazen Grace and our friends visiting. I decree over you, live in revelation. No more milk, but meat. To the day comes when when we say, if there is any sick among you, the answer is no. No. I bless your jobs. Resurrection power over your jobs. Resurrection power over your business. Resurrection power over your ministry. Resurrection power over your marriage. Resurrection power over your dreams. Resurrection power on your relationships. On your education, resurrection power. On your friendships, resurrection power. All over you, on your life, on your giftings, resurrection power. Over brazen grace, I decree resurrection power. By the eyes of faith, we see this church filled. Even in our new building, filled. On this Resurrection Sunday, we declare our own building filled. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Before the only wise God, to Him be blessing, glory, honor, dominion, power, forever and forever and forever. Say together, let your, let your, on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And now let the fruit of redemption make themselves known in the house. Come on. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Redeemed. Woo. We love you so much. Blessed Resurrection Day. Live in that. Guess what? Every day is a resurrection day for us now. Every day is a resurrection day for you. We love you so much. Prayer partners will be up here to pray with you. Thank you, everybody, for what you do. We love you so much. Bring a friend next Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Bring a friend with you. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at ZCIM.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.